Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. You are listening to the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast presented by Novogratik and Company, LLP. I invite you to visit us online at www.novoco.com to learn more about our firm's accounting and consulting team and the range of services that we can offer. If you'd like to speak with someone about how Novogratik and Company, LLP, can assist you, please give us a call at 415-356-8000. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2009. This week, I will provide an update on the progress of action and the tax credit housing consensus proposals. I will also discuss two renewable energy topics. First, I'll examine a recent Chief Counsel Advice, or CCA, document regarding grants under Section 1603 of the Recovery Act. Then, I'll review the details of the recent allocation of $2.2 billion in new clean renewable energy bonds. But first, we have breaking news about the 2009 allocation round of the New Market Tax Credit Program. On October 30th, Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner and Community Development Financial Institutions Fund Executive Director Donna Gambrell announced the 99 Community Development Entities, or CDEs, selected to receive $5 billion in New Market Tax Credit Allocation Authority under the seventh round of the NMTC program. The allocations awarded last week include $1.5 billion in investment authority allocated among 24 CDEs authorized by the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. Secretary Geithner made the announcement at the Greater Westtown Community Development Project in Chicago, which provides job training and placement services to local residents and educational and career development services targeted to former Chicago public high school dropouts. Three Chicago-area institutions received NMTC awards last week, which they will invest in local development projects. The seventh-round allocatees are headquartered in 30 states, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, They anticipate making investments in 49 states, as well as the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. The awardees plan to invest in renewable energy projects, charter schools, healthcare facilities, manufacturing companies, and retail centers. The CDFI fund reports that 249 CDEs applied for allocations, requesting a total of approximately $22.5 billion in allocation authority. Last week's award of $5 billion equals 22% of the total amount requested by applicants. 99 CDEs, or 40% of the total applicant pool, submitted successful applications. Seventh-round allocation awards ranged in size from $4 million to $125 million. Both the average and the median allocation award amounts are approximately $50 million. 53 of the allocatees, or roughly 52%, are not-for-profit organizations or subsidiaries of not-for-profit organizations. These CDEs received allocations totaling $2.65 billion. 25 of the allocatees, or approximately 25%, are certified CDFIs or subsidiaries of certified CDFIs. These allocatees received allocations totaling $1.25 billion. 16 of the allocatees, or 16%, are government-controlled entities or subsidiaries of such entities. They received allocations totaling $790 million. Ten of the allocatees, or 10%, are minority-owned or controlled entities. They received allocations totaling $500 million. This amount is noteworthy because it is a 55% increase over the total amount awarded to minority-owned or controlled entities in the 2008 allocation round. Fourteen of the allocatees, or 14%, are banks or bank holding companies, publicly traded institutions, or subsidiaries of such entities. They received allocations totaling $835 million. 18 of the allocatees, or 18%, are real estate development companies or subsidiaries of such entities. They received allocations totaling $598 million. 
In its Allocation Highlights document, the CDFI fund breaks down applicant success rates by entity type. CDFIs had a success rate of 50%. Not-for-profits had a success rate of 49%. Real estate development companies' success rate was 43%. Government-controlled entities achieved a 46% success rate. Banks and publicly traded companies had a success rate of 36%. And minority-owned slash controlled entities had a success rate of 33%. To date, the CDFI fund has made 495 awards, totaling $26 billion in NMTC authority. Those awards include $3 billion in Recovery Act dollars, as well as $1 billion that was specifically set aside for recovery and redevelopment in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. The CDFI fund also reports that to date more than $14.3 billion, that's $14.3 billion of private sector capital has been invested through the NMTC program. This figure represents more than 73% of the $19.5 billion in allocation authority issued to CDEs through the end of calendar year 2008. Data reported through 2008 shows that $12.7 billion of the NMC capital has been invested in approximately 2,000 businesses and real estate developments. In his remarks last week, Secretary Geithner said those investments support roughly 200,000 jobs. A list of the allocations can be found on the CDFI Fund's website. Links to information from all seven allocation rounds to date can also be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com. More detailed analysis of the allocation awards will also be presented in the December issue of the New Market Tax Credit Report. Specifically, we will examine where CDEs plan to make investments and what steps the CDFI Fund took to ensure that a proportional amount of investments would be made in rural communities. Now, let's move on to the Long Housing Tax Credit and check in on the progress of action and the Housing Tax Credit consensus proposals. I last spoke about the Affordable Rental Housing Action Campaign in an October 13th podcast. As a reminder, the group's name is an acronym, A-C-T-I-O-N, which stands for A Call to Invest in Our Neighborhoods. In the few weeks since that update, the group has added 23 more organizations to its list of supporters, making the campaign more than 123 organizations strong. In our last discussion, I relayed Action's request for supporters to contact Congress members and urge them to support the group's consensus low-income housing tax credit proposals. This week, I'd like to encourage supporters to continue this effort by arranging in-person meetings with key Congress members on the Senate Finance and House Ways and Means Committees. As Congress moves to consider the home buyer tax credit extension, it's an opportune time to make sure the campaign's consensus measures are part of the discussion. Another way to support the campaign is to contact local media outlets and show how these issues relate to national economic concerns. A sample letter to the editor is now available in the Advocacy Toolkit on the campaign website at www.rentalhousingaction.org. In case you are not familiar with the three consensus measures, they are 1. Extend the Housing Credit Exchange Program, including expanding it to include 4% credits. 2. Increase the Housing Credit Carryback for up to 5 years. And three, permit pass-through entities, namely LLCs, limited liability companies, and subchapter S corporations, to use the housing credit program. Since our last update, the Housing Advisor Group has released a summary of feedback on the consensus proposals based on reports from meetings with House and Senate staff. The Housing Advisor Group reports that the one-year extension of the LHTC exchange program, including 4% credits, continues to have support on the Hill and within the administration. But some issues have arisen as of late. The administration has expressed concern that the exchange program is being used as a crutch and is lessening the resolve 
to seek equity investments. Feeding into these concerns are reports that developments are foregoing interested tax credit equity investors in favor of exchange grants. These reports have made their way to Capitol Hill, and congressional staff members have voiced similar concerns. There is a relative sense of confidence that the exchange in some form, with or without the 4% credit provision, will be adopted as part of extenders legislation, but these issues could prove to be a roadblock. As for the five-year LHCC carryback of unused credits, the Housing Advisor Group reports that this proposal is having difficulty gaining traction on Capitol Hill, namely because congressional staff members have little confidence they can secure a credit carryback for the LHCC while excluding other business credits. In addition, there is reticence towards providing more relief for large financial institutions. As with many issues being debated on the Hill, cost is also another issue working against this provision. Part B of the carryback, which would allow a carryback of LIHTCs generated by new investments up to five years as they arise during the 10-year credit period, has garnered more support, according to the Housing Advisory Group. Reports indicate that congressional allies have acknowledged its potential allure for new economic investors. Nonetheless, the issue of cost remains the greatest hurdle to getting this proposal considered. Third, and finally, we have a little good news. The Housing Advisory Group reports that it was pleasantly surprised by the reception received by the proposal to change the passive activity rules to allow some S-corporations and LLCs to offset revenue by investing in the LIHTC. For some time, the tax writing staffs have been wary of considering any changes to the passive activity rules. The Housing Advisory Group reported that despite this hesitance, there has been a positive response toward a portion of this proposal. Specifically, there is interest in allowing Subchapter S banks or other financial institutions to invest in the LIHTC program. To learn more about ACTION, or A-C-T-I-O-N, see, see a list of the supporting organizations, or to find your congressional contacts, go to www.rentalhousingaction.org. Turning next our attention to renewable energy, let's start with a recently released IRS ruling. On October 23rd, the Internal Revenue Service released a written determination regarding the Section 1603 grant program created by the Recovery Act. In Chief Counsel Advice, or CCA, 2009-43029, the IRS states that the grant under 1603 is not a tax credit and the receipt of the grant is not taxable income to the recipient. The CCA goes on to say that recovery by Treasury of any overpayment made to recipients or recapture of the grant because the property ceases to be qualified within the five-year recapture period will not be through the income tax system, but will be handled as a debt owed to the government, and the Justice Department will have to sue to recover if the payments are not voluntarily paid to the Treasury. The CCA explains that the Office of the Fiscal Assistant Secretary and Treasury is administering this program and makes the payments. The CCA says that the Fiscal Assistant Secretary contracted with the Department of Energy for the initial review of the applications before payments would be made and to provide additional assistance in Treasury's compliance review after the payments are made. The major income tax effects of the grants are, as listed in the CCA, 1. Recipients may not take either the Section 48 Energy Investment Credit or the ITC or the Section 45 Production Tax Credit or PTC on the property for which they receive the grant. And two, recipients must reduce their basis in the property for which they receive the grants by half of the dollar amount of the grant. A copy of CCA 2009-43029 can be found online at www.energytaxcredits.com. 
In other energy news, on October 27th, the Treasury Department announced the allocation of $2.2 billion in new clean renewable energy bonds to 805 entities. The Treasury Department allocates bond authority to governmental agencies, public power providers, and cooperative electric companies involved in clean renewable energy development and production. The application deadline for the bond allocations was August 4th. The bonds, which function as tax credit bonds, provide investors federal tax credits in lieu of the payment of a portion of the interest on the bond. Federal tax credits for the bonds will cover 70% of the interest on the bonds. The bonds are funded by the Energy Improvement and Extension Act of 2008 and the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. A complete list of recipients receiving awards of bond authority to issue clean renewable energy bonds can be found online at www.energytaxcredits.com. To learn more about clean renewable energy bonds and other energy topics, join Novogratz and Company for the Financing Renewable Energy Conference next week on November 11th and 12th in Washington, D.C. I'll be there and hope to see you. Before I wrap up today's discussion, let's take a quick look at the tax credit calendar. The Senate Finance Committee announced last week that it will hold a confirmation hearing tomorrow, November 4th, to consider Michael Mendaka as Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for Tax Policy. The committee will meet at 10 a.m. in the Dirksen Senate Office Building to consider the nomination of Mr. Mendaka and two other nominees for the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. President Obama nominated Mr. Mendaka for the Treasury position in mid-September. Mr. Mendaka currently is a senior advisor in the Treasury Office of the Tax Policy and also serves as the Acting Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy. He served in the Treasury Department during the Clinton administration and returned to Treasury in 2007 as Deputy Assistant Secretary for International Affairs. During this week and next, leaders from Minnesota Housing, the Greater Minnesota Housing Fund, and Rural Development will continue a series of regional dialogues designed to discuss affordable housing in Greater Minnesota. These regional dialogues are intended to identify pressing, emerging local priorities and spark regional connections and collaboration. The remaining meetings will be held Friday, November 6th, Monday, November 9th, and Tuesday, November 10th. You can register online at www.mnhousing.gov. Also next week, as I mentioned earlier, Novogratz and Company will present our Financing Renewable Energy Conference in Washington, D.C. The conference will be held on Wednesday and Thursday, November 11th and 12th, and will bring together industry professionals to discuss the latest developments in renewable energy tax credits. It's not too late to join us. You can register online at www.novaco.com events or by calling 415-356-7970. As I mentioned also, I hope to see you there. Next, in our project profile segment, we note the recent groundbreaking for the Baldwin and Douglas Park Affordable Rental Development. Celebrating the groundbreaking were the New York City Department of Housing Preservation Development Commissioner Rafael Sestero, New York City Housing Development Corporation President Mark Jarr, City Councilwoman Inez Dickens, Manhattan Borough President Scott Stringer, Richmond Group Development Corporation President Kristen Miller, and Mary Berry at Bank America, Merrill Lynch. The two new apartment buildings will bring a total of 226 mixed-income units to an almost full-block site on West 127th and 128th Streets in Central Harlem, and will create an estimated 1,050 construction-related jobs. The projects are among the first in the country to start construction using the tax credit assistance, or TCAP, money, which was allocated to New York State under the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. The Baldwin and Douglas Park projects are being developed on formerly city-owned land. 
in addition to the 226 mixed income apartments, which will be affordable to families with incomes ranging from just under $31,000 up to $99,000 for a family of four, the two new buildings will include approximately 15,000 square feet ground floor retail space and 119 underground parking spaces. The buildings are being developed by the Richmond Group Development Corporation. A third building with 15 additional units and 1,000 square feet of community facility space has been set aside for the local nonprofit Harlem Mothers Save, and it's expected to start construction in 2010. The Balden has been named in honor of Charles Balden, a gifted urban planner, committed public servant, and proud Harlem resident. The total development costs for the Balden and Douglas are set or about $68 million and $33 million, respectively, bringing the entire development budget to just over $100 million. During construction, the Baldwin and Douglas are being funded with a total of $45 million through a combination of taxes and volume cap and recycled bonds issued by HDC and secured with a letter of credit from Bank of America Merrill Lynch. The development is also receiving a total of $20.8 million in tax credit assistance or TCAP monies. In addition, there's nearly $15 million in home funds and an additional $22 million in low-income housing tax credit equity. The low-income housing tax credit equity and additional developer equity is being provided by the Richmond Group. So please join me in extending a congratulations to the Richmond Group and all the others involved in getting this development off the ground. Finally, I'd like to remind listeners that entries for the National Housing Conference's new awards program should be submitted electronically by the close of business on Friday, November 20th. NHC announced last month that it's accepting submissions from member partners for its new Pioneering Housing Strategies Award. This honor will replace the NHC Excellence in Housing Communications Award in order to recognize a broader range of creative activities. NHC says the award is designed to acknowledge pioneering, forward-thinking strategies that are changing the way we approach affordable housing and community development initiatives. More information is available online at www.nhc.org. I'd like to remind you, if you want to submit an event or meeting to be included in the Task Force calendar, just send us an email at cpas at novacode.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week when I'll discuss the latest news and issues affecting the tax credit community, including a proposal under consideration in Missouri that would subject all state tax credits to an annual appropriations process. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. (music) 